0: Welcome to Fimiacast, the official podcast of the Farisian Institute of Modern Integrated Acupuncture. If you are an acupuncture practitioner or student, or you have an interest in acupuncture, make sure you go to fimia.com.au and sign up for free to receive notifications about all of our courses and resources. Are you aiming for more patients through your clinic doors? If so, then Kickstart Your Clinic, the acupuncturist's essential guide to setting up business is designed just for you. Whether you are at the very start of your business journey, or you're a seasoned traveler looking to add a few levels to your skill set, Kickstart Your Clinic provides you with powerful tools and invaluable advice on how to get your new clinic off the ground or to help boost the one you already have in operation. Simply go to fimia.com.au and click on courses to find out more about Kickstart Your Clinic. Proudly sponsored by Acuneeds Australia, for all of your acupuncture needs. Are you on Facebook? Why not join the discussion on the Fimia forum? Fimia forum is a free Facebook community where acupuncture practitioners, students and enthusiasts alike can participate in an open platform to discuss the modern and integrated application of acupuncture. Search Fimia forum on Facebook and click join. On this episode of Fimiacast, I am speaking with registered acupuncturist Samuel Lynch. Having held high level logistics and operation managerial positions prior to finishing his degree, Samuel entered the field of acupuncture already possessing a strong business acumen and savvy. Along with his wife, Jane, who is also an acupuncturist, he is co-owner of Elevate Acupuncture based in Redland City in Queensland. While Jane's treatment focus is gynecological and emotional conditions, Samuel's areas of interest are musculoskeletal issues, male health conditions, and cosmetic acupuncture. Together, this complementary balance of knowledge and skills allow them to treat a broad range of pathologies with patients who benefit from having a husband and wife team, and male and female practitioners, all under one roof. I was keen to sit down with Samuel, as I have known for a long time that he has a knack for applying his impressive resume of business know-how to the operations of an acupuncture clinic, and what follows is nothing short of a crash course on how to get your budding acupuncture business off the ground. later on in, in the talk, um, but first of all, to introduce you, Sam or Samuel Lynch. So uh, thank you so much for coming along today and speaking on Fimiacast. It's so great to have you here.
1: I'm mm. very excited. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, it's, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, so far, we've had so many different practitioners on talking about their, their story and touching a little bit on the business side of things, but that's kind of something I really want to get into with this uh, particular episode because looking at your CV, you've had quite uh, a history of different roles and in fields that are probably as far removed as you could possibly be from acupuncture up until now. So if we can start off with where you're at now, what's your
1: clinic like? Uh, what kind of things you're doing? Okay, so at the moment, I work with my lovely wife, Jane, who I studied with and I met at the college. Yep. Uh, we converted... Our garage essentially into a clinic room, so or two clinic rooms and a reception area. We wanted it so when people arrived, they believed they were arriving at a clinic as opposed to getting treated in someone's house. So I did a bit of research with people that I know that had visited home businesses and the like. The one thing they all said without fail is. Professionalism was big, and that kind of got lost if, for their first appointment with someone, regardless of what they were doing, they were walking past the lounge room where the kids were watching TV or past the kitchen where the meal was cooking. So it takes away from the magic, doesn't it? Indeed, indeed. So I wanted that clear line of delineation between my abode and my practice. Uh, So when people arrive, they don't see inside the house, even though they pull up at the house. They walk into a professional looking clinic with a reception area, wooden floors, nicely decked out, plumbed in sinks in each of the treatment rooms. So I didn't spare any expense to make it look like a clinic. And straight away I see people, especially first timers coming through, the the guard of what am I walking into almost drop straight away because they're in a, a, a setting that they find comfortable as you know, a professional clinic to get mm. a treatment in.
0: Yeah, yeah, it certainly, I guess, is a big thing to consider when you are putting your clinic in your own home, what am I going to do to make it look as professional as as possible because people have, especially if it's their first time having acupuncture, people are somewhat hesitant to go to someone's home
1: for a health service. Definitely, and probably even more so if it's a female attending to see a male practitioner, you want that ease before you even get them on the table to start with absolutely so a lot of times i'll spend especially if it's their first time the first 10-15 minutes talking to them about acupuncture what i'm trying to achieve what their problem is showing them the needles it's amazing how many first timers look at it and again another wall of uh, security is established or broken down when they see the size of the nails, how thick they are because they've got expectations almost of I'm going to stick a syringe in them. So again, (laughs) establishing that comfort level before they get on the table. So the the trust is important to build up and part of how you look and how you present your business to me is quite important in building that quickly with your client.
0: Yeah, it's something we probably become complacent i guess about the tools we use because we're so used to them we forget that people haven't seen them before and that's a really important point as you said to to show them the what you know what you're using what they'll be experiencing so they're more settled with their particularly their first
1: treatment yeah definitely and also with the treatment if i'm going to do points which may particularly you know be a little sharp or you feel more so. So your extremities, the hands, the feet, maybe if you're doing on the face, I'll, I'll let them know, hey, you may feel these ones. But for the first time, I'll usually start with a, a larger muscle group. So it's in there like there's nothing to it and then yeah. they're quite happy to let you proceed from there. Yeah. But having the client, you know, besides obviously the written and verbal consent, just having them that relaxed that they know, especially if they're face down what your intent is, where you're needling, what you're going to do the whole time. Mm. It helps the treatment because, you know, if they're coming in for stress, if you can relax them on what you're doing straight away, your job's working before you've even stuck the first needle
0: yeah. in Particularly if they're, they're face down and you can't see their facial expression and they say, yes, I'm fine, and they're really not.
1: Correct, yeah. yeah. So, again, first time is, and even people have been saying a while, after every few needles I'll check how are they feeling, you know, just to get some feedback if I'm not getting any either physical with movement or, or verbal from them in relation to it, yeah, just to check they're okay and then, of course, proceed from there.
0: Yeah. How many rooms are
1: you running? Two rooms. Yeah. So I find... Uh, Jane's there part-time, so she is, so quite often I'll run two rooms and have the concurrent uh, sessions, you know, half an hour or 15 minutes apart so I can go from room to room. Um, it just depends on, you know, how busy we are on the particular day, but it's good to have that ability to do so.
0: Yeah. So. And are you in direct competition
1: with Jane or are you treating different things? We actually complement each other yeah. she she is the yin to the my yang essentially oh, excellent. so um and we find it's good having uh, different sex practitioners in that so people will feel comfortable speaking to me about things say like erectile dysfunction which yep. they wouldn't feel as comfortable about speaking to a female yes i also find a lot of people coming in that are you know fertility issues females gyny um PCOS a case of hysterectomy they're more comfortable and menopause speaking to Jane now I can understand what's going on from a a medical level but I can't empathize with them unfortunately because Mm. I don't have the same build that's where Jane's good and Mm. she loves working on those things and the emotional aspects I prefer working on the musculoskeletal anyway so besides the fact that we cater to our clients in that respect, we've also got our own special interests on what we like to look after.
0: Yeah, and actually that's such a good and complementary, as you said, combination of two practitioners because not only are you male and female, you're also a husband and wife and you're in the same clinic. So if a female patient who's been seeing Jane for a particular thing that's more suited to a female practitioner then has more musculoskeletal conditions so you can come and see you with the confidence that you both that everyone knows
1: what's going on yeah correct and the notes are all there and, and jane and myself do cross refer so i could be treated for muscle someone for musculoskeletal and then as usually happens when you got them on the table things come out they bring things up talk about things and it's like okay Maybe you might want to see Jane for your next treatment to deal with these emotional things that have arisen. So, we do, you know, we don't compete. We work in, you know, conjunction with each other for the best outcome for the client and also focusing towards our niches, what we prefer to do as well.
0: Yeah, yep. So, we were talking a little bit before we got started about one of the most important things I think for any practitioner, any human being really, with their path in life. And that is to know why you're doing what you're doing. Definitely. So can you tell us about how you got to where you are, why you practice acupuncture?
1: Well, yeah, that's a, a quite an interesting story. So I was more a dubious but hopeful sceptic the first time I had acupuncture. But, and as I said, 15 years ago someone had said to me, you'll be an acupuncturist based on what I've been doing. I would have pointed at him and laughed. But... Same as many of us that uh, were at the college, we were more mature, wasn't fresh from school and we've had experiences. So mine was travelling to work and I was stationary waiting to pull into a driveway and someone went into the back of me doing 80 kilometres an hour. Whoa. Yeah. So I had subluxation of T10 to T12 as well as whiplash. Um, Yeah, not good. Uh, (laughs) Not not good. good. (laughs) Yeah, no, not at all. Um, But... I tried what most people try initially that don't have any understanding uh, of TCM or the like. So I went to the doctor. It was then to physio, to a chiro, to a musculoskeletal specialist, to going to the gym and working with a PT to strengthen my core. And nothing was helping the problem long-term. I might get relief for a day or so. Okay. But even then, I was on uh, quite heavy... uh, prescription painkillers just three times a day just to get me through the day yes and i knew enough to understand that it wasn't fixing the problem it was just masking it Mm. so but so saying i didn't know what to do to fix it had the problem for about 18 months and someone suggested to me why don't you try acupuncture but this time i would have tried anything yeah so went along and had my first treatment and i have to say even during my first treatment I was second guessing what he was doing because I'd explained to him my problem was the back and he commenced putting pins in the back of my legs and ankles. So I was lying there just going, this guy hasn't listened to me. Waste of time, what's going on? He suggested a course of treatments, you know, six treatments, two a week and I left without making another booking. Mm. So saying I woke up the next morning, felt the best I had since the accident. So I was logical enough to go, Okay, there's something to it, even if I don't understand it. Yeah, continued the course of treatments. Ended up throwing the painkillers in the bin. Didn't use them. Was fine for about six months mm. until I lifted something with an incorrect lifting technique, mm-hmm. twisting at the side, twenty five kilos. Bang, the back went. That'll do it. Went two treatments. I was right as rain again. So for me, then it was that was the revelatory moment where it's okay. There's something to this that my understanding of Western medicine doesn't cover and everyone from Western medicine isn't getting as far as I can see. Mm. So I started off studying it out of interest essentially. Yeah. And after my first six months there, I learned that it could do a lot more than what most people think, which is, you know, backs and necks. And I was hooked. I yeah. was like I knew right then this is what I wanted to end up doing um, to share the knowledge that I'd... Stumbled across isn't the right word, but y- you know it was a, a the light bulb moment of yeah. I've found something here that works, and most people don't know about it, and it needs to be shared. Yeah. So for me, that was the the passion and the drive um, important to me, and I share that story with people when they come in um, to explain. It's not something I just decided to do you know spin the chocolate wheel i'll be an acupuncturist there is a reason and the good thing is a lot of us as i said are mature age students going through there and we all have that story and i feel we should share that with people uh whenever you can because it'll be a big driving force to get people through the door if you're looking to build your client base yeah
0: yeah you're right it is predominantly mature age or or at least um 30 and above, um, is that still mature age? I oh, consider it. Yeah, I think I was mature enough. Um, but, yeah, it's a much more smaller percentage of people straight out of school. It's pretty rare, actually. Exactly, yeah. And quite often they don't stick around for very long. No. Uh, for, what, for whatever the reason is. But, yes, it's usually the uh, more mature generation and it's because they've had some catalyst that has brought them to this point. And you're right. It's it's some of the the most interesting stories that you can hear as to why someone changes their entire life around. At like how, how old were you? Can I ask when you started? Thirty five
1: when I started. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, as I said, if someone had said to me at that age, "This is what you're going to do," I yeah. would have shaken my head. I was you know in, in management roles for you know state management roles yeah. and in logistics, so dealing with truck drivers, nothing at all <laughs> to do with health. Yeah. But uh, as I said, that was the fork in the path for me and uh, it gave me uh, an opportunity to do something which i now consider uh, a career anything yeah. else for me prior to that was a job yep so it was something to pay the bills make money and did it because i was good at it but this is something i've got a passion for i never had that for any other role so just based on that you couldn't pay me to go back and do what i was doing before yeah. because there isn't that passion there with that as i do with what i'm doing now
0: did you always feel from when you started working in these roles that it, it always was just a job?
1: Uh, yeah, it was. And look, I enjoyed it and did it well. And it's the usual thing. You've got the honeymoon period in any of these jobs where it's great, it's fantastic, it's yeah. fun. But after you know a, a year, it becomes same old, same old. Yeah. And you're just going through the motions essentially. Yeah. I don't have the same spring out of bed as i do now like what have we got on this is an exciting day um the feedback you get from people as well like usually i find when you're working for someone else a lot of the feedback you get is if something hasn't gone right as opposed to how well you've done yeah and i find in this industry yeah you get a lot of people giving you the feedback of the positive impact and changes you've made upon their lifestyle their health their well-being and things like that, when you get that feedback, whether it be face-to-face or someone mentioned something on Google about it or something, it, it gives you, well, me, a feeling, you know, right in the ticker. That yeah. buoys me through the week. Money can't buy that feeling.
0: Yeah, that's the whole point of being here, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's it's quite a difference to,
0: I guess, helping someone make more money in a big company as opposed to helping someone live better in their daily life. Yeah. With what you're doing now as a practitioner.
1: Yeah, of course. So the yeah. calls I'd get before would be, you know, the last role I was looking after all the David Jones and Qantas lounges, making sure the cleaning was all sorted as operations manager. Yeah. So your average phone call would be, you know, this needs clean, that needs cleaned. It's like, yeah, okay, no problem. But... Because I'm getting now of people saying, you know, you, you've helped me with this and it's a problem I've had for 20 years and things in some cases. Mm. So um, people in tears almost sometimes. Yeah. It, it's quite powerful what we do. Yeah. Um, and the big thing for us is sharing that knowledge. To me, being an acupuncturist is a very small part of what I do. Most of what I do is disseminating information Mm. in my mind Mm. and I try to get uh, into areas where I'm able to stand up and speak about acupuncture to large groups of people where possible to share the knowledge. Um, And it's amazing the feedback that comes from it because a lot of people like myself before I got into it are oblivious to what we can do, how we can help. So for the industry as a whole we need to disseminate that information share it rather than hold it you know close to the chest mm.
0: yeah and it's it's not to say that that our profession is more effective or better than anyone else's or any modality but from as you're saying and from my personal experience it's amazing how many people come to me as a last resort who didn't know about it and they've tried everything else and they've either gotten temporary relief or it's not done anything
1: and that was my story and same i find a lot of people have come through and you are the practitioner of last resort yes so i've tried everything else can you fix me yeah so it'd be good if they came to us when the condition was acute you know absolutely i don't mind a good challenge either <laughs> so. yeah that's
0: right it's, it's, a, it's a longer road back isn't it yeah definitely we'll get to that point
1: definitely and i like treating like myself the the skeptical but hopeful because a lot of people come through the door and they are there because they believe in acupuncture so your job's half done before they get on the table yes it's the ones that have that you know s- slightly dubious approach to you and you know look at you almost sideways when you say look okay it's a acute back t- pain you'll feel better getting off the table than you do getting on yeah and then that happens. Yeah. That to me, because they're the ones that go out and spruke you the hardest. Yep. Because they are the converts.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, li- I like that feeling too. Or you, you do the follow-up call a, a day or two later and the result they've had is, is beyond their expectation. Yes. It makes the job easier and, and very rewarding, doesn't it?
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: So you also do quite a lot of, well, presentations.
1: Yes, so one thing I'd recommend to up-and-coming acupuncturists is uh, this isn't field of dreams. You don't build it and they come. You need to get out there and market what you do. So for myself, I'm on a quiet little back street. It doesn't have any through traffic. The early traffic coming through are going to somewhere on that street. It's not a rat run to somewhere. So to me, getting my name out there was really important because I wasn't getting the, the main road exposure or anything. For me, I found um, networking groups essentially in the local area, which is usually comprises of 30, 40 different business owners from different areas. And they're set up different ways. Some have annual fees that you pay, some are just pay as you go, just show up and, and get to know people. But to me, it's important. Networking these days, especially with social media, is far more advanced than what it was. Twenty years ago, where yeah. the salesperson would go to events, hand out as many cards as possible. Think they'd done a good job. Oh, I got rid of hundred cards, but how many people are contacting? And they're you? all in the bin, exactly. So for me, there's three important things. It's no like trust. The people have to get to know you. They then have to like you, and then they have to trust you enough to you know be able to want to send their mother to you almost. Yeah. When you build up those three things. It's quite powerful, they'll come to you and then when you treat them well, they'll spread the word and you'll get that second-tier referral and then the third-tier referral. And to get in front of a, a large number of people like that, these networking groups allow you to give 10, 15-minute presentations. So it's, we as practitioners need to back ourselves. Uh, you shouldn't be nervous standing up in public because you are the authority I can pretty much guarantee in those sort of rooms, you'll know more about acupuncture than anyone else there. And same with them, with the industry they're in. Mm. They're looking to you and it's a chance, an opportunity for you to share what acupuncture does. So I don't go there and I don't do any sales pitch. There's no sales pitch. I just tell them my story, how I got into it. I give a brief, very brief overview and simplistic uh, version of what acupuncture does and how it works. Um, And then list a a number of conditions that we know that we can treat well and get results upon. You know what I mean? And then leave it open for questions and answers. So just if you whet their appetite with a bit of information... I then find I spend, you know, 10 minutes giving the presentation and another 15, 20 minutes answering questions. And I'll walk out the door of these presentations with bookings in hand and it's amazing the next few days then how many will follow through and make calls and make biz, uh, business with you, appointments. And the flow on effect is amazing. So myself joining two networking groups, oh, I thought I was doing okay, but I've pretty much tripled my business, just wow. joining two groups. And there it is. So look at local groups uh, in your area. Uh, you can do a quick Google search or yeah. a Facebook search. But it is quite a powerful thing because these people get vested in your story. Again, knowing your why. If you've got a good story, share it. So,
0: Are you familiar with the, the concept of if you know your why, then you can figure out your what and your how? Yes. Yeah. Is that something that you would... Uh, like can, can you elaborate a bit more on that for, for people who are listening and you know, setting their business up or in the midst of it and they're, they're kind of running a clinic but they feel like it's kind of you know,
1: yeah plateauing so, or going down? Yeah, so uh, knowing your why, firstly, is important. If your why, you know, if someone asks you what your why is and it's to make money, well, no, that's a reward of what you're doing. It's not your actual why and if it's your why, you're in the wrong business. As a gentleman, I can't think of his name for the life of me at the moment, but um, he had US government uh, backing, he had newspapers following in, he had the greatest minds in the world behind him Mm. looking to be the first to fly, okay? And then in a little-known town, there were the Wright brothers who had a bicycle shop. And six people dedicated to wanting to fly, to be able to fly. Mm -hmm. The other guy was doing it for the prestige and the money. And he had all the backing you could ask for, money, influence, minds. Yeah. And the rights beat him to it. The next day, he threw the towel in. And it was because his why was about being the first person to fly. Yeah. About the prestige, not actually... Allowing flight to occur, and that is a powerful thing. So, so know your why. You have to have a a passion, a drive there. Mm. uh you, your what then is, you know, what do you want to do with it? Do you want to work for someone else? Do you want to set up your own business? And everyone has to find their own comfort level there. Okay, some people you got to think when they're first starting out, they can't or might not be able to afford. Shop front rent. Okay, so yeah. a lot of people end up doing it from home. If you do do it from home, I can't stress enough to make it as professional as possible. Some people don't have the same options. I did of converting a part of yeah. a house, but look at options where they can avoid walking through the rest of the house to get to your treatment room. Um, have it looking as professional as you can. Um, make yourself professional. So dress well, uh, that's important. You know, don't just phone in your treatments so just because you're working at home. I love how you dress all the time, you know. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you do dress well. Myself, I like something a little bit more comfortable and yeah. casual. But you got your logo on there. It's- Indeed, and this is how I show up to work. And I considered doing the whole, you know, business pants, business shirt and the like. But, again, I I dress more smart casual Mm. because I want people to come in and just, again, it's just relax Mm. them a bit that, you know, okay, he's not all suit and tie sort of thing. So for me, that's how I want to present is I'm here to work with you. Uh, Even though I've got doctor in my cards, I don't let people call me doctor in the clinic because, again, I think that sets up just this barrier of, us and them sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's call me Sam, call me Samuel. It Just get that familiarity there. Yeah. Again, build that comfort level. Yeah, how? Um, how you do it professionally. Uh, like for me, I was lucky enough that I was in a position where I'd saved up a, a fair bit of cash and I was in pretty high paying roles to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. So when it came time to invest, um, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, Converting that area into a clinic, I had the funds there. I didn't have to get a loan or anything like that. So I'm thankful for that. And that was just good preparation and I guess good luck on my part having the roles where I could put the money away to do that. Uh, I knew two years before I finished the course what my intent was. It was always, always to set up my own clinic at my own home, and. The final result we've got was probably plan 27, you know what I mean, as we go through it. Um, I'd say to everyone at some stage, back yourself. Uh, You can always work for someone else, but in so doing, you're not getting the full benefits of your own work, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, There's always some cost association with that, uh, whether it be the rental of the room, whether it be a split 50-50 fee, whatever the case is. Um, For me, it was all about the freedom of working for myself, the freedom of working from home and reaping all the rewards, all the rewards for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's for people who are either studying at the moment, coming towards the end Mm. of their degree, would you say that it's,
1: important to have a plan as to what you're going to do definitely have a plan like if you're in your final year you should have a fair idea if you plan to work for someone else you should have already put feelers out there to see if there's something up and coming for you and don't get me wrong when i first finished up i worked with someone else i worked with trent for a little while at uh, balance to you and it was a good oh, really? Conv- yeah it was a convenient I relationship for both of us <laughs> Because I was still working full-time for the first year and I wanted to keep working up until Jane finished her degree. She was a year behind me Mm. on that. But it allowed me still to dabble, to keep my finger in the game, working with Trent there while he was also finishing his degree. So he was doing the remedial side of things. I was coming in and doing acupuncture. So don't get me wrong, starting off, (coughs) excuse me, starting off, You may have to work for someone else and there's nothing wrong with that. So please don't, you know, have it as a takeaway, oh, you've got to do it all for yourself. But for me, at some stage, you need to back yourself. When you feel confident in your skill set, go for it. Uh, This is a great opportunity. It it can be quite lucrative if you find your niche as well, Hmm. Uh, if you can build your client base. And again, it's not going to happen overnight, but... If you go out there and push acupuncture, if you push the industry, the people will come to you because they've seen you as the authority of it. And if they're not going to come to you, at least they're going to come see someone. Yeah. So same, I get people that come and see me, and then ask for referrals for friends and family that are nowhere near me. Oh, I'll get my friend from, I think that was one I referred to you, Gladesville, Graceville. I, mean, Graceville, I was yeah. going to get it wrong again. Mm-hmm. And she was, oh, I'll get my family member from Gracefield to come. It's like, no, no, no. There's someone in the area that can look after yeah. her. Let me get you the details. So it, you need to be open in that respect and not selfish. At the end of the day, the most important thing is the client. So you've got to do what's best for them. Mm. Practicality yeah, it's easier for that client from Graceville to come see you here as opposed to drive all the way over to see me. Mm. They're also more likely then to continue with a course of treatments if you take away that unnecessary hurdle of distance for a treatment.
0: Yeah. What's your view on the amount of availability of clients out there? Do you think that there's a risk or a the, the potential that we're going to, to lose... Business because of the you know, either the increase in acupuncture practitioners or other practitioners doing acupuncture like services, yeah. or do you think that there's enough out there for everyone and there's it's how you approach your business?
1: Yeah, it's it's all on you, is what I come back to. So, what there's roughly 5,000 practitioners, acupuncturists, yeah. and you know, let's broach the elephant in the room we, we've got dry needling and the like out there and so saying i'm happy to hold my skill sets up that i've been taught against someone that's done that mm. they're they're different you know what i mean And i've had people come and see me that are expecting what they feel from dry needling and are quite surprised at the difference in sensations mm. from what i do to that and are quite happy with the results i think people need to focus on what they can do and there's enough people out there that uh, for everyone to treat in my mind. Yeah. As I said, the biggest thing is if you're concerned about the lack of clients, it's education. The clients are out there. They just don't know you can treat their condition. Mm. So for me, like the last talk I gave, I, I discussed hay fever and allergic rhinitis and the like. I was surprised how many people in the room suffered it or had a friend suffer it or anything. And then all of a sudden I had people booking in for courses of six and eight treatments to get that done. Yeah. It's bang. Yeah, it's simple things like that. Yep. Dry needling isn't going to do something like that. So. No,
0: it's not. No. It's, um, have you had a lot of experiences where you've needed to explain the differences for, for your uh, yeah, clients definitely. or patients? And I simplify,
1: I say it's about 2,000 hours. It's uh, important to differentiate if I get asked. But, again, you don't want to come across as seeming petty or bitter about it. Uh, You you need to rise above it, essentially. You need to be the bigger person. And it's competition, but... In a lot of industries, there is competition, except that why should we be any different? You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: it it strikes me as something that's, it's it's a bit of a chip on an acupuncturist's shoulder, but I think also a lot of commotion is made about it
1: that is not necessary. And I agree, and I have to bite my tongue sometimes when I see what some people write on Facebook sometimes in relation to it, like, oh, dry needlers have put my friends out of business. It's like, well, how good were they? (laughs) <laughs> um, where were they? There's a lot of questions, yeah, and the dry needle point. being the cause is probably the last thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. Oh, I'd be looking at the marketing, the strategy, what rent were you paying, yeah, what outcomes. You got to look at the the financials first before you start pointing fingers, and you should always look inwards first. Are they not seeing you because of you? How you present? Uh, are you difficult to access? Yeah. where your outgoings are outweighed by your incomings? Yeah. You know, there's all these things. Um, yeah, people need to just take a deep breath, let it go. There's a lot of liver cheese stag among yeah. acupuncturists <laughs> <laughs> on the dry needling issue. And just you don't have to embrace it but accept it. it mm. It's there. It's not going away. Mm. Uh, so you getting upset about it isn't going to change anything other than give yourself emotional grief.
0: Yeah. And if anything, it gives us an opportunity to be more creative with our practice Mm. and with our marketing plan. Definitely. Basically.
1: So I've actually got a page on my website. Uh, So if you type in dry needling acupuncture, it'll refer to my website. We need to be smart about it. Mm. Um, That's a simple tool that can drive business to you. So people might not think of acupuncture. They might think of dry needling. Mm -hmm. They usually look in the local area. I'm the number one hit for dry needling yes, yep. in Alexandra Hills. So yep. that's what I mean. You don't have to embrace it, but be smart about it. Look yep. at it from a business perspective on how you can utilize it to your best interest. And what I did there, everyone can do. It's a yep. simple thing to add another page doing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. That's a that's a powerful tool, particularly if you're if you don't have either a great deal of competition or you can get yourself up uh, high on the rank of Google. If you've got something that's related to something that people are searching for and you come up, even if it's just information about it yeah. as opposed to a service that you offer, then and it's going gonna, it's gonna to funnel people to you.
1: And that's all it is. It's a page of information uh, uh, describing what dry needling is, how it works and acupuncture, comparing yeah. the two. Um, that's it. But, again, if they go to my booking page, uh, the booking sessions are for acupuncture. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not dry needling per se. Yeah. yep. So it's yeah. utilize it. Uh, as I said, you don't have to embrace it or enjoy the fact, but you have to learn to live with it. If you don't learn to live with it, it's to your own detriment. Uh, we need to start – we want to be accepted by – westernism western medicine we have to start looking at what we do from a western mindset mm. it's really important to get that across how do you approach your
0: language when you're explaining the mechanisms of acupuncture to one of your clients
1: so for example uh, if they're one of the questions i get asked is what is chi how does chi work and you know, you could sit there for four hours and discuss that and still not enlighten them any further. But I try and break it down. So I tell them chi travels along the body, along channels, akin to how blood would travel along veins. So where there's blockages in the chi, that's where pain usually is, and we need to alleviate that pain for the free flow of chi so your body feels better. Yep. Just nice and simple Yeah uh, We don't have to get too esoteric about it And we shouldn't We need people I want people to walk away with an answer to the question Not 17 other questions mm. Because I haven't answered it in the way they understand Yes um, As I said, it's important I, I tell them a, a bit about the, the pathways of the nerves And things like that So, you know, you, I get quite funnily recently I've had quite a few people with impingement uh, between C6 and C8 and the tingling of the fingers. Mm-hmm. So I'll explain it to them. Let's look at this is to do with the nerves, essentially uh, an impingement. We're going to work around the huato jarge, he's like just still on needling very close to the spine mm. and that. Mm. And um, the bladder points around there, try and loosen it up. We might get electro in there and I'll explain why I'm doing that. Yeah, um, But we need to do it in a way that they can understand. Mm. If we get to easterny about it uh, people haven't been brought up to understand that and as i said as an acupuncturist it took me about a year and a half before i could i stopped questioning how why i, I don't get this because i was looking at it from a western mindset it yeah. takes a lot to empty that cup out to refill it with something different
0: absolutely it sure does and that's it's it's confusing enough for someone who's chosen to study it as um let alone attempting to explain such a profound concept to a patient in in their initial consultation yeah
1: and don't get me wrong it's good that we get that information but and it's important for the the history of, of the medicine that we understand the history and its concepts and its origins mm. but we need to then be able to extrapolate that into a way that your patient can understand it and walk away because, again, they're going to be your billboards. If you can explain in a way they understand, it'll make it easier when they're talking, okay, oh, see this guy, he fixed my back. And if they get asked questions, they can actually answer it rather than, I don't know, mm. you know. That's important. People need information.
0: Do you alter it slightly depending on the patient that you're treating? If, if you can tell someone is, is more of the mind that they're gonna be you know enjoy a more mystical
1: um, yeah. concept that they're being they're being no one take offense, the crystal liquors essentially. So that, <laughs> that, that's what I'll call uh, Janes a bit like that. but um, yeah, you, you cater to your audience essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So some of them prefer more just talking about the Chi and the meridians and, and things like that, the, the channels. Um, and that's fine, I'll do that. But I find there are the exception to the rule for me as my client. So it's probably based in the area that I'm in. Mm. I find I'm getting more, my from what I'm finding, it's mums and tradespeople seem to be a large portion of yep. what I'm dealing with. Okay, A tradie wants the nuts and bolts of how it's yep. working. He doesn't want the the airy, esoteric side of things. Mm. But then I'll get people that come in that are into crystals and, and yoga and meditation and, that, yeah. and they want to hear more of that sort of things. They want it to remain mystical. Mm. Yeah, you cater to them and you can pick quite quickly, Yeah, you know, who you're dealing with in that respect. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I try and explain it in a way that people will understand it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's important. So you're not scaring people away, but also keeping the ones interested who are all about the mysticism. Yes, definitely. Because it's doing the same thing at the end of the day, isn't it? Correct. Sam, I want to check out your your CV here. It's quite impressive. Uh, just to for the people listening and watching, what have we got? Uh, you were Operations and Compliance Manager of Queensland... Um, I want not, not to mention the actual companies themselves, but state manager, scheduling coordinator, technical manager. This is, really, this is quite a, a list of skills that you've acquired over your working career. Something that I found very beneficial as a practitioner and then starting my own business is transferable skills from the life I had before an acupuncturist into the, the life I have now. One example is having been a musician and spending a lot of time with multimedia, we now have this. That's great. So in your experience, how have you been able to use the skills from what you've done in the past and then
1: transferred across to being a clinic manager and owner and practitioner? Yeah, well, it's one of those things. uh, To me, I, for a large part, was running the state's operations for companies so that meant the financials payroll budgeting making sure the work got done um, all important things and they apply to every form of business but actually being at the you know the back end and dealing with all that and understanding the financials understanding that you know your, your incomings have to more than meet your outgoings uh, managing that, uh, the timing of placing stock orders even, just uh, to marry up with end of months to get the most out of, you know, your credit essentially. Yeah, yep. Simple things to work money in your favour, but also knowing how to, literally build my clinic. So as I said, I was involved with uh, the last role with essentially the the fit-out and set-up of two of the David Jones stores, Indra Pilly okay. and uh, Pacific Fair. So being there when it's an empty shell to seeing it all set up, you get to see the process and understand the logistics yeah. of it. So it helped me in that respect know how to go about setting the clinic up step by step to get everything in i needed so nothing would have to be retrofitted later on um it's also a lot more cost effective uh and if you've got that ability to do that uh speak to someone that's got experience in like project management or, or of building these sort of things uh It doesn't have to be a big expense to get someone to come in and cast an eye over what you want to do and throw suggestions at you. So even though I had a fair idea what I wanted to do, when I got the builder in, he changed three things straight away that I hadn't even considered. Mm -hmm. It was like do this, this, this. It's like makes sense but also it was more cost effective. Um, The ability to know how to market was a big thing for me as well. So I saw these big companies and what marketing they used and what worked and what didn't. Yeah. So I was able to take that away with me and know how to network with people. Uh, the ability then to stand up in front of groups of 20, 30, 40 people because I had to do that with my employees quite often. Yeah. Stand up and do toolbox meetings and, and discuss certain things. So having that... I guess relaxation to stand up there and not be nervous and and give presentations on things I'd early learnt about an hour earlier. It's a skill that, as I said, I I had to develop uh, and it's handy when you're getting out there doing it. Yeah. Uh, Jane as well has been in some quite high-end roles from a a PA perspective. Mm. So, you know, knowing the paperwork side of things, the compliance and everything... Between the two of us, we know what it takes to run a business and it's what causes a lot of businesses, and I don't just mean acupuncturists, to fail, is that you could be the best carpenter, the best plumber, the best acupuncturist, but if you don't have that business acumen behind you, mm. um, it can lead to trouble. So, uh, so I say to people, it's the course does well at teaching you to be an acupuncturist it doesn't teach you how to be a business person and unfortunately even though acupuncture is what we want to do most of the time i find i'm the businessman i'm doing marketing uh, i'm the accountant i'm the operations manager and getting all that right allows me then to be the acupuncturist yeah uh, so it is important to have those skill sets and if you don't have them Even go to like a a TAFE course for six months. You've just done a four-year degree to get to where you want to be. Add another quiver to your bow and learn a little bit about running a business. It's very important, the financial side of things.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next was if someone has no transferable skills or business skills of of any kind and they've just finished their degree and they're either preparing to go out into the, the real world, do you suggest that they should do something like that, go and do a short course or a certificate or something like that in business to give them some ideas?
1: I, reckon, I recommend two things. One, work for someone else first uh, rather than go out on your own if you haven't got the business skills. Yes. So yep. you can learn a lot of the skills in-house. Uh, secondly, yeah, go and get some sort of diploma or a cert in business, whether it even be just a, a six-month course or something. Just to give you a bit more understanding, just even that sort of takeaway. If you haven't had the opportunities I have to build your business skills working beforehand, you need those behind you. Marketing is a big thing as well. So if you're going to do a business course, make sure you get something that covers a bit of marketing. Because once you're out there by yourself, you need to know how to market you, market your business. Yeah. So, and then that comes back again to what I was saying, know you why and sharing that with people. It's powerful. Aside from your
0: networking strategies, do you use any type of advertising, Google or Facebook or anything like that?
1: Uh, we're on Facebook and I use that more for the dissemination of information mm. as opposed to any form of advertising other than mentioning the, the company name. Yeah. So, but I don't advertise my services per se on there. I'll like share the uh, ACMA feeds that they're doing now on yes. certain things. That's good, and I'll talk about maybe a few conditions and and the like. I'll, I tend to put maybe a post up once a week, twice a week, just mm. depending. But I see that more, as I said, of sharing information as opposed to marketing. I guess it's a soft marketing tool in that there's exposure. So if someone that's looking at my stuff six months down the track has an injury, I'm the first thing. Maybe that'll come to their mind. Yeah.
0: Brand reinforcement, is it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: Google reviews mm. is the other one. I've got my business. So that's a big thing to have yes. there um you can't control what people write on google unfortunately mm, mm. but facebook as i said that's locked down yeah and then my website um other than that as i said it's the networking events and i I always check with new people where did you hear about me mm. a large portion it's word of mouth and it's what i got told by a number of the really good practitioners when we're at the clinic cuz i asked them before i left what do you do marketing wise and the successful ones all said without fail, word of mouth is the biggest driver for your business. So to me, you're only as good as your last treatment. So if you mm. treat well, those people are going to go out and they're your marketing tools. Yep. So you want them leaving thinking, again, you're professional, you've helped them, you've made a difference. They're someone that they trust and they'd refer their mum to you almost. That's how much you want to be in a relationship with them that you've got that factor of trust with them. Yeah. Um, so I find most of my people now are second and third-tier referrals from the original networking groups. So
0: That's amazing. That's that's such a, a, a huge generation of client intake from
1: like a single area. Yeah, and there's area. Already, as I said, sometimes these events only have, say, 20, 30 people, mm. but it's like a the stone in the pond, that ripple effect spreads out based on how you present yourself at these events and also then your treatments as you go forward so yeah. if you're at one that's at a pub don't get drunk okay that's a <laughs> simple tip <laughs> just don't um have a drink or two but i've seen that as well and people get messy and you're just like you're not someone i really yeah it's not a good to first impression with no exactly especially if you're in the health industry as yeah. well you know what i mean but um it is a powerful way. Uh, handing out your business card, handing out flyers, if you look at all the percentages, it's between about one5 and 3% on flyers. Um, again, it's almost the same as handing out your business card. I know when I go to the mailbox, I look at the mail, and if it's not a bill, it's in the bin essentially. Yeah. I don't, I'll have a quick flick at flyers, but they never make it through the front door essentially. Yeah. And you will find 98%, 99% of people will do the same unfortunately. I experienced that
0: when I started the clinic here at home. I had a lot of time on my hands and not knowing any better thought that flyers would be a really good way of getting myself out there. And I don't know how many hours I spent or how many flyers I dropped into letterboxes, but I think I had one or two people. Hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I spent days. Yeah, I was going to say your return
1: on investment just on time alone.
0: Yeah. And I, I figured, I took from that, that first of all, for a service like, like ours, I think with a local yoga studio or, you know, something like that, I think flyers are probably beneficial, probably has a higher return. For us, I believe there's a, because of the, the numerous factors being the person, when they see it, has to have something wrong with them to want to need your service at the time at they the see time. it or they know someone directly so that's a limiting factor then they have to be open to acupuncture then they have to like a flyer all of these things that is the standing of, in the way of it going in the bin or them coming to see you
1: correct there, yeah. <clears throat> there's so many ifs and buts with a flyer mm. uh, so much so and it's with any business as i said I'll look at all of them and unless there's something oh a tree lopper that tree's bothering me other than that, yeah. as I said, if it's a problem at the time you see it, yeah, you may deal with it. But for most people, no. Um, another good way to cross-referrals is another big thing. So I work closely with a local naturopath, a local PT, a local remedial masseur, and we cross-refer to each other as well. Mm-hmm. So there's another opportunity, again, within your local area. And that's the thing. Our, our business is, is quite niche in that. Generally people, there are exceptions to the rule, but generally people within about a 5, 6K area are going to be your client base mm. essentially because mm. outside of that likelihood is there's someone closer. Yes. Um, so again, it's important to share your wire to maybe differentiate yourself from that person 3 kilometers, 2 kilometers away, whatever the point may be. But also getting in bed with other natural health practitioners and the like so you mentioned yoga um that's a great one you know they're they're the people there have the mindset of looking at natural alternatives and they're focused on the body and the like Mm. uh naturopaths remedial so the remedial masseur we get um funnily enough quite a few labor inductions come through Mm. from him um and he happily refers people to us and vice versa cases that he won't take on board himself or ones that he's found he's not breaking. Yeah he'll go, right, try this. So if you can build that cross referral network within your local area, mm. again, there's another avenue of getting people through your door.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if people are dedicated to their their health, truly, they will spend the time to come and
1: yeah, to come
0: and see you or, or go and see different therapists. There's something I just wanted to ask you about. Uh, on your CV here, yes, body language course,
1: yes. Please elaborate. That was uh, <clears throat> that was a while ago, and it was uh, in a past life. I used to spend three months of every year down in Melbourne playing poker. Aha. Uh-huh. <coughs> I see where uh, this is going Yeah, <laughs> in, in, in rather large tournaments There's some of them up to $10,000 entry and things like that Wow So we're talking the, the high end of things um, I was in a couple of those But most of the ones I were in were between say 1000 thousand and three thousand and 3000 to get into And I was doing quite well at it And why I think I was doing well at it was um, body language re- The reads of people The unknown tells that they were given away Yeah but I also found it quite interesting in business when you're sitting there negotiating with people. If you're trying to convince someone of something, you can see the change in the body, the closing up of, of the chest by crossing the arms or turning away, The even just a, a twitch in the eyes when you say something that might... It's an internal trigger you've just hit there or something. Yeah. So to me it's important have that because you can quickly on the fly if you're trying to say convince someone of something you can see if you're tax wrong with them and quickly adjust on the fly to one that might be more acceptable to them yeah um so yeah i found it quite beneficial not early when i was you know playing card games but also in business when i was sitting across from someone or even in a room with 30 40 people a quick scan you could take on board how well received what you're presenting is coming across or not
0: yeah that's well that's an, uh, another example of a, a transferable skill that you can bring across to being a practitioner as well yeah we spend a good amount of time examining different aspects of the body and, and trying to gauge what is wrong with the person before you, they even sit down. You know, they walk into the room, and you're analysing their gait, their whether their shoulders are hunched, how they're whether they're having eye contact with you, and that for us as Chinese medicine practitioners and many other practitioners, I suppose as well, is the start of putting a picture together for an eventual uh, diagnosis in whichever form that is. So I can imagine that understanding someone's body language in that capacity, having that experience, must just Yeah, elevate your ability to to, to approach a situation.
1: Well, your awareness as well. Um, As I said, I I take note, as you said, people when they walk through and you can be like, what's wrong with your hip? And they're like, I haven't even told you what's wrong with me yet. I'm like, you don't have to tell me, I can see. Um, But even picking up on, on small changes in the person from visit to visit, can show them that you care so picking up on just simple things like i had a a young lady come in she'd gone to uh spain to do the pilgrimage and i was treating her before going over there because she had problems with the legs Mm. came back did the walk all good but the first thing i noticed is she had a new tattoo on her ankle Mm. so just simple things like that noticing things and then that led into a whole story and and she was quite happy that someone had noticed it and everything like that It shows that you're interested in the patient as opposed to they're just someone else lying on the table for you to treat. Yeah. Um, People like things like that to be picked up, even if it's just a a change in the hair colour, a new tattoo, they've had their nails done, just those small nuances from treatment to treatment they've done on themselves. If you pick up on it, again, it's another thing that relaxes them because it shows that you're interested in them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even other things like, oh, you've got a, a fresh bruise there. What have you done? Just <clears throat> It's also a good way to lead into a conversation if you're struggling with something to say because sometimes people, you can ask questions and you get nothing back. Yeah. And yeah. especially when they're face down as well, it makes it hard because you can't read their facial expressions. So I, I look for, oh, you've cut yourself there. What have you done? And that can lead into a story that, you know, Five minutes is chewed up having a chat to them, then yeah. and it leads into other things. Yeah, so look for openings for opportunities for a discussion if you're struggling.
0: Do you have any advice uh, aside from all of the amazing content you've already uh, described so so far? But like, kind of some some parting words for either new budding practitioners or people that have either you know been in the field for decades. That that you know something just to Give them that boost that they may not have thought of before? Oh, Look,
1: the, the ones that have been doing it for decades, they've been doing it for decades because they know what they're doing. Yeah, So good point. For, <laughs> <laughs> for, the, uh, for the people that are new, it's <clears throat> have faith in your abilities. You've spent four years studying this and I know a lot of people walk out of there still second-guessing what they know and come across as nervous because all of a sudden the training wheels are off. You're out there on your own. As I said back yourself, you've been doing this for four years under extremely uh, educated and proficient acupuncturists. We were lucky enough to have people like Bob, Jung, Dan and Sue, John McDonald, a number of people out there that were training us. And I took something away from all of them to make me the practitioner I am. So the other thing I'd say is in your last year, try and get under the tutelage of as many different acupuncturists as possible because everyone has something to offer while you're learning and you'll pick and choose what suits you best and how you operate and it'll make you a better practitioner. So all I say is just have faith in yourself. I find that's the main thing. People just not willing to take that leap of faith, and they've spent four years preparing themselves for it, back yourself and price yourself accordingly. Yeah. That's another big thing as well. Don't undersell your four years of hard work. You know, you're worth a lot of money in my mind, everyone. So get paid for what you're doing. Do it well. I know we all want to heal people, but you've still got to put food on the table as well. Absolutely. Profit's not a dirty word.
0: No, that's right. Good advice. Uh, where can
1: people find you, Sam? Uh, They can find me at Alexandra Hills, uh, Elevate Acupuncture. Our website is elevatetcm.com.au. We've got a Facebook page as well. Or as I said, if anyone just wants to have a chat, have some advice uh, in relation to maybe setting up a new clinic or the like and just want some pointers, I'm happy to have a chat if you, you you feel I could be beneficial at pointing you the right way.
0: Sounds like a potential new business venture that you could set up. Maybe, maybe. Acupuncture practitioner coaching. Yeah. (laughs) Let's trademark that. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Sam, thank you so much for coming to Cast and talking today. You've provided a wealth of information for practitioners and students of all uh, all walks,
1: and I know that it's going to be of great benefit. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, Chris. Cheers.